Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 233 of the Co-op Podcast. Happy New Year to everybody. Hope that you all had an awesome holiday season, and we're looking forward to uh, getting back to business today. So I'm your host, Richard Billy Jr., and today I'm joined by Mr. Gary A. Swaby. How's it going, Gary? It's going good, man. Thanks. Um, Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, I I hear that it's a bit cold over there and in some places, so... I hope everyone's nice and warm. But um, yeah, good to be back. Absolutely. Also joined by Mr. Jake James Lugo. How's it going, Mr. Lugo? I'm doing good, Rich. Uh, Happy New Year to everybody else. Hope you guys had a good holiday season and uh, looking forward to 2018. Absolutely. We're also joined by Miss Dana Abercrombie. How's it going, Dana? Hi, everybody. Happy New Year. I'm currently freezing to death in one degree temperature. Oh. Well, I know how that is because I was in Boston last week, so I hope that that gets better. <laughs> uh, and we're also joined by Mr. Max Muller. How's it going, Max? Hey, man, it's going pretty good. Happy to be back. Yes, absolutely. So um, as everybody knows, you know, we this is the start of a new year. There isn't really too many news topics. I mean, there is a couple of things we're going to get into, but we're also going to talk about some of our, our games we're looking forward to in 2018, as well as some of the stuff that we also enjoyed in 2017. So, uh, but before we get into any of that, we're going to let you all know what we have been playing. So, uh, Max, how about you go first and let us know what you've been playing? Uh, I've been playing very little this past week, actually. Uh, I've been getting a few rounds of Sonic Mania in here and there. I uh, I beat the game a while ago, but I've been trying to go back and do all the bonus stages, which is very very difficult you have to run around and try and collect all of these blue orbs and i'm trying to get 32 uh gold medals which means you have to run around grab these orbs and then also get a bunch of rings in each of the secret levels it's kind of hard t- to describe it um i believe it's actually a port of one of the older mini games from like sonic 2 or sonic 3 so if you've played that you know what i'm talking about and then I've also been fitting in Cuphead with my brother here and there whenever we could get that game fit in. That game is hard as hell, as I'm sure you know, everyone knows. But um, it's interesting because when we're playing two players and one of us ends up dying, the difficulty scaling actually goes down like within the level. So the one player, the player that's left alive, actually has a decent chance of making it through the level, usually making it through the boss. And more than once, one of us has actually come in clutch and able to like beat the boss, even though the other person died like halfway through or early on through. So that's always a pretty fun and intense experience. But um, that's only, that's the only gaming I've got in this week is really just a few matches of both of those games. But they're both wonderful games and I'm happy that I waited until like the end of the year to actually pick them up. Cause I wanted to wait until I have more free time to get into them. So I was able to spend a lot of time with both of those games, like since Christmas and new years and all that. So that's really, really cool. So, yeah. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how about you, Mr. Lugo? Uh, what have you been playing? Uh, I've been playing a couple different things. I've just been busy, you know, outside of gaming itself because we've been posting up a lot of different stuff. We got our first uh, Switch review of the new year up. To, uh, was it up recently? Within the last few days, I, it was for Tiny Metal, 
on Nintendo Switch, even though it's on other platforms. We decided to check out the Switch version. But uh, the review's up on now on the website. Gave it a 65 out of 100. I thought it was an okay game. Could have been much better. It kind of sucks, too, because the multiplayer features of it, both online and local multiplayer, aren't available at launch. It's actually coming at a later date. So that was a huge detriment for me when I was actually playing it. Besides that, I've been playing a little bit of Overwatch with some friends. I've also been playing a lot of games on my Nintendo Switch. I actually got a Nintendo Switch console over the holidays. So finally, I'm able to play games on that console, on that platform. I've been playing a lot of Ultra Street Fighter 2, going online, just busting up heads, beating people in ranked and casual matches, having fun with that, as well as also just playing little games here and there on my PlayStation 4, including Horizon Zero Dawn, a little bit of Sonic Mania as well, and also Star Wars Battlefront 2. I've been going on and off with it here and there, just trying to see if like there's any more kind of like stuff to really pull me back into that game, or at least, you know, any more reason for me to still hold on to it. But that's really what I've been playing. I've been really busy outside of gaming itself. Absolutely understand that. Uh, so uh, we're going to move on to Dana next. How about you let us know what you've been playing? I haven't been really playing that much. Um, I've been slightly lazy, just enjoying the holidays and trying not to freeze to death. Uh, but I will say that I've been playing a lot of uh, Persona 5, which I'm in love with. I know like I'm kind of behind when it comes to the gaming thing. It's, I'm trying to catch up now. But I just wanted to say how much I love the art design of that game. I just love that game so much. So yeah, I've been playing some of that. I've been playing some of um, the Mario Odyssey. You know, when you're just around in other people's houses and you're like bored. So I've been playing some of that. It's been a good, a good way to um, keep me entertained. Hey, that sounds good. Uh, I think I'm going to go next. Um, uh, I also haven't been playing much because, uh, you know, I was back in Boston visiting family over the last few weeks. Um, good time to just uh, catch up with family, see how everybody is doing. Everybody's doing great. Um, one game I did get a chance to play before I left, though. Uh, I played a game that I'm sure uh, Gary's also going to talk about, and it's not Overwatch. It's PUBG on the Xbox One. Um, so I did get a chance to play some, a couple of matches and my overall thoughts on the game is that, you know, the game is okay. Uh, I don't necessarily think that it's the game of the year because I saw a lot of people say that it's their game of the year. And my personal opinion, I, I don't get that. Uh, but everyone does have their own opinion. Uh, I will say that when the game launched on Xbox one, it was a very, very rough launch. You know, I saw a lot of issues as I was trying to play through the game. And since then they've released two patches. So it's getting a little bit better. Obviously I did uh, throw a comment out that I said that if you are wanting to play PUBG, I would highly recommend you play it on PC. I did get a little bit of flack for that comment by somebody who I'm going to shout out right now, Mr. Charles Singletary. Uh, obviously I wasn't throwing shots at the Xbox one version, but just like I say, with most times mo a game usually, that is on PC and on consoles, nine times out of 10, it's going to be better on PC than on consoles. So that's what I meant when I said that. With all that said, though, uh, the game is pretty good. I mean, it, I mean, like I said, it's a very simple concept. Uh, everybody has already heard how it is, the Battle Royal concept. But again, of every game that came out last year, I can't in full confidence say that that's the game of the year, in my personal opinion. We'll get into those discussions a little bit later. But um, it is a good game for what it is worth. I'm very curious to see what else they do to it. If there's one complaint that I do have, it's that I wish Microsoft had done more with this particular version of PUBG. Like if you wanted to put 
any skins in the game for Halo, any costumes, stuff like that, that would have been awesome because then it would feel like it has more of some type of Xbox exclusive content to it. But again, for what it's worth, it's an okay game. Um, it's fun, but again, I think it's better if you play with friends versus just playing by yourself. But again, that's just my personal opinion. Um, but yeah, that's all that I got a chance to play uh, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Gary, I'm now going to throw the floor over to you. Uh, feel free to let everybody know what you've been playing. Yeah, so I've been playing Game of the Year, PUBG. And, uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just joking. It's not Game of the Year. But yeah, I've been playing PUBG as that was uh, gifted to me for my birthday. And um, yeah, I've, I've actually been having a lot of fun with the game. It is a really fun game. Um, I used to think that the concept of it would kind of frustrate me, like the fact that you hop into a match and, you know, you can get killed almost instantly and then that's it, the match is over and, you know, you can't you can't go back, you can't respawn or anything like that. I thought that would be very frustrating for me, but it's actually like, it's, it's kind of a, an addictive formula because it makes you then want to try again in a new match and then see if you can get even farther you know, the, the second time around. So, yeah, um, I actually kind of got addicted to it quickly. Um, I enjoy playing solo and playing with a squad because those are very different experiences. Um, and I also like to mix it up and play sometimes third person and sometimes first person. I find that in uh, third person, uh, people can kind of take advantage of the point of view, um, like they can peek around corners and stuff like that and tell that you're there. But in first person, it's it's more even because, you know, everyone can only see what's in front of them. Like there's no camera panning tricks that, that you can do to find out if someone someone's around the corner or something like that. Um, so, yeah, very different experiences there. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a very fun and addictive formula, but um, definitely not game of the year. It has it does have a lot of glitches. You know, the graphics aren't as impressive as other games. Um, but you know, it's just it's just a fun online game, really. Um, if you enjoy, you know, online play and stuff like that, then I can see how you would, you know, really love the game. But it's beyond that, it doesn't really, you know, offer much else that other games are offering. Uh, but still enjoy it. Um, of course, I've been playing Overwatch. I don't really need to say much about that. But um, I also got into Warframe recently. You know, just because that's free, and I feel like I owed it. You know to the developer to give that game, you know, uh, a bit of a try because I remember downloading it when it first came out in like 2012 and I never actually played it then. And it's changed a lot since then. Um, so yeah, I decided to, you know, jump in just to see what it's all about and, you know, just kind of um, like, cause you, you got to admire the fact that the developers are offering this for free, you know, and they've continued to offer it for free. Obviously, there is premium content there that you can buy to support them. And, you know, if you want some cool cosmetics and stuff like that. But I just admire, you know, any developer that's that's super dedicated to, you know, their project and they're offering it for free. Like, you got to respect that. So, yeah, I wanted to definitely get into that a little bit. And I also finally have Assassin's Creed Origins. And, um, you know, I've played that for, I haven't played it much, you know, probably about an hour or so. 
Um, I'm actually waiting on upgrading my graphics card because I quickly realized that it's it's not that very well optimized on PC, and um, it's definitely showing the limitations of the current graphics card that I have. You know, because I can't even really run it on medium without the frame rate dropping and stuff. And I have a 770 at the moment, so I'm I'm waiting until I get another graphics card. I do plan on getting that, you know, within the next few weeks, hopefully. And then once I have that, I plan on, you know, really getting into that game because I definitely haven't seen the best that it has to offer yet because I'm only like an hour into it. But um, yeah, that's pretty much what I've been playing over the holidays and stuff. Sounds good. Uh, one last thing I will say, uh, you know, I know you said you just started uh, Assassin's Creed Origins. Uh, be prepared to spend a lot of time on that game because it is so much to do in that game. It's, um, yeah, it's uh, you'll be busy all year playing that. That's all I'll say about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that, that pretty much concludes what we have been playing. Uh, obviously, you know, just the beginning of the year, so a lot of the big games are coming out towards the end of the month, so I'm pretty sure that we'll be talking about a lot of those games once we get our hands on those uh, later this month. But uh, we're going to go ahead and jump right into the topics. Uh, the first topic on today's show uh, is we do have some news regarding uh, Max's favorite game, Lawbreakers, um, you know, because he was talking about that all E3 last year. So uh, this, is, this is for you, Max. Uh, we found out that uh, Lawbreakers publisher they have started to blame PUBG for the low sales. Um, they were basically just trying to say that, you know, the game didn't do well uh, as well as they hoped because it launched at the same time that PUBG uh, was out on early access. So I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on that particular topic. Uh, but Max, since you are such a huge Lawbreakers fan and you are one of the 50 people currently playing the game now, I want you to uh, give us your opinion first. <laughs> Lord, I can't even <laughs> I do not care about that game. Um, I don't know. I think that they're just kind of looking for a reason that their game didn't do well. Because to be completely honest, I still don't really understand why Lawbreakers didn't do better than it did. It had like, you know, it had great marketing. It was on every big site. Everyone knew what it was. You know, it had Cliffy B behind it. It was it was promoted all at like E3 and PAX and everything, you know, people were freaking out about it. It was being talked about a lot. And then it came out and it had what, like a peak of like a couple thousand players, if not less than that. So, and it came out at 30 bucks too. It came out like half price or 40 bucks or something like that. It wasn't even full price. So the reason it didn't do well is still baffling to me. Like, I really don't know why it didn't do like, okay, at least, but them blaming PUBG, I think those are two pretty different markets because the, PUBG market, you know, they're playing like those people are playing like H1Z1 games or DayZ games or a lot of like survival and open world games in the first place. And PUBG and Lawbreaker is more of like a game like Overwatch kind of or Team Fortress 2, like a team based class based shooter like that to me doesn't really fall into the same category as the Battle Royale genre of games. You know, Battle Royale is like those. I don't know. It's just. It seems to me like they're trying to find a reason for they're trying to find a reason for the publisher or maybe for stockholders like they need to provide a reason to them for the reason the game didn't do well. I don't really know. It just seems to me like they're stretching with this one. 
I don't, I just don't get where they're coming from with this. Yeah. Um, one comment that I want to make, and then I'll go to give everyone else a chance to talk on it, is that, you know, Gary and I did get a chance to play the game at E3. And when I played the game, there's a lot of things about the game that feel dated to me because a lot of the mechanics I've already seen in other games, you know, the floating in the air, the jumping off the walls, we've already seen that in Titanfall and Call of Duty. So when I played the game, it's, it's like I, I was like, I didn't really understand what the appeal of the game was. I guess you could say some of the characters and their personalities. That's one way that you can sell the game. But I didn't really feel like there was anything special about the game that uh, was going to make it stand out among everything else. And then, of course, it came out in August at the same time that everybody is gearing up for all the major releases because Destiny 2 was out in September also. So I, I personally didn't think there's anything really special or unique about the game when I played it at E3. But, you know... Gary, uh, what do you think about the game? Because, again, you played it on PC. I played it on PlayStation 4 uh, at the actual booth. Yeah, I, I found it very generic. Um, and, you know, I, I just didn't feel like there was anything special about the game, really. Like, I didn't I didn't get that feel from it when I played it at E3. Like, you know, the first time I it was something special, you know. It just didn't give me any... and. Um, it just came across as really generic. You know, this whole claim that reason it didn't sell, I think that's completely wrong. Um, like Max said, they're two completely different genres. Um, and, like, I feel like it's just the way the game was um, handled that was very poor. Um, and next on, the publisher probably just don't want to own up to it thought of lawbreakers i thought of you know cliffy b like uh, so i just i just feel like the marketing and the game itself wasn't you know great uh the game isn't anything special and the marketing was just like i mean what was the marketing i don't even remember all i remember is cliffy b being like the main topic of discussion whenever that game was mentioned um and overwatch the comparison to overwatch and that's not a good thing. So I, I just feel like they didn't do enough to, um, you know, try and explain what's so good about this game and why people should be buying it. And um, it was quite shallow to begin with as well. So there really wasn't anything for them to highlight. So, yeah, I think that's the reason it didn't sell. I mean, it last year was a very competitive year as well. So if you brought out a game, it had to be something decent. It had to be special to really shine and stand out from everything else. So I think that's why it failed. Very good points. Okay, uh, Mr. Lugo, do you have any thoughts on uh, this news regarding Lawbreakers? I feel like their reasoning and, and their statement is pretty whack. Uh, I think that's the best way you could put it out there because it, it seems more like a name drop to me because PUBG right now is very popular. PUBG is very, very in much, much in the spotlight in, in, in a lot of different discussions, whether you know it was about the Game Awards or other stuff. This feels like a name drop to me. Though, I, I think we've even gotten a chance to check out Pub, uh, what is it, uh, Lawbreakers prior to this year's E3. We got to see it even at PAX East, I remember. I remember the whole huge booth that they had, and even think it was the year prior to that as well. The biggest problem with Lawbreakers that I saw, and one of the reasons why I never really got into it, is because it felt very samey to me, to a lot of the uh, 
the other games that were coming out around the time as far as like military shooters or military-esque looking like shooters. Meaning that what was the real thing about Lawbreakers that stood out? And I don't mean necessarily the, the marketing with saying that it was uh, Cliffy B was involved with it or anything of the sort. What really was the pull? What was the pitch of Lawbreakers? Because from what I could tell and from what I remember, there really wasn't one. There was a lot of comparisons to other games. For me personally, <laughs> but, well, even besides that, and even then, I don't even think that's really a pull for, no, no, uh, for a game like that. No, well, like yeah, no, but there, there is a reasoning to that, though, because other games have done it where they've like attached the name of like a specific designer or a specific uh, game or creator to whatever it is that they're trying to put out there. Like we see that mm -hmm. even now with Kenji Inafune, Koji Igarashi, Hideo Kojima, you know, the list goes on. So that type of thing is done and I could understand that. But really just at, at its core as a game, Lawbreakers really didn't have a way to pull players in. Because there was so much other stuff going on at the time, which had nothing to do with the game. It just didn't have anything to really grasp everybody's attention. Because I feel that the the whole air combat or the air jumping and the floating and stuff, that really wasn't a pull for everybody. That really wasn't something that was going to get a lot of people excited. Unlike, you know, Overwatch, which had a diverse cast of characters. It had a really colorful, uh, was it, aesthetic to it. It was really cartoony. Um PUBG, to me, the way that why it's so appealing to a lot of people is because of the open-endedness open of it, where you could do a lot of different things during the course of the matches that you could fight in, or at least you know you could go against other players in, as well as also the fact that it's touted as not being fully complete yet. Like To me, that's a pull for a lot of people. It's something to grasp for their attention. Lawbreakers just didn't have anything like that. Very good points. Okay, uh, so uh, Dana, uh, did you feel like uh, breaking any laws in talking about lawbreakers today? Haha. <laughs> 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 um, no. Uh, here's the thing. I think we've already previously said they just needed something to blame. They needed someone to place the blame on, you know, either for the investors or just you know anyone who was slightly interested in lawbreakers. It's a stupid comparison. It's a stupid reason to even blame another game for, you know, your games. I'm not not selling as much. Um, this was just ridiculous, and I think they just needed something or someone to place a blame at. And you know, it's it's just stupid. Absolutely. Well, um, you know. I know that they said they were writing that game off as a failure also when they wrote that statement. So I, I don't really know what their plan is uh, as far as what they're going to do next. Um, I mean, it's unfortunate for them. Some people that were still hoping it was going to come to Xbox One. I don't even know if that's still in the cards. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, think, I also think it's a bad, bad reasoning to, to talk about that game and make that comparison the way they did. But uh, I guess it is what it is. So uh, any final thoughts on this topic before we uh, move on to the next? I'm good. Yeah, nothing from me. All right, so yes, we're gonna move on. We're gonna stop breaking laws. And now we're gonna talk about the Nintendo Switch because uh, there was some news that came out this past week that uh, right now the Nintendo Switch is currently the fastest selling console ever. Now, I know that some of us have are, are you know, some of us have a Switch. Um, I know, Dana, that you already mentioned earlier that you've been playing on the Switch all holiday season. 
So how about you tell us what do you think of this news that Nintendo Switch is now the fastest selling console on the market? This is, is, is making me happy. Many people have written Nintendo off for a while, you know, and for a good reason. So it's wonderful to see that they've come back even stronger and people are interested. Yes, Mario Odyssey, I think, is one of the main reasons as to what kickstarted everything. But I think that there's going to be really great titles that's coming out in 2018 that's going to secure their, their spot. So I'm very happy for this news. Yeah, absolutely. And as a new switch owner yourself, Mr. Lugo, what are your thoughts on this news? I think it's good. I think it's great. It's going to do more good for Nintendo moving forward through 2018. I think a lot of it is also uh, attributed to the lineup, not just one or two specific games, because like Dana said, Mario Odyssey definitely was a big reason for that. And I would even argue Breath of the Wild too, to an extent, as well as also Splatoon 2. But also look at the rest of the games that are available on the Switch right now. Look at the diverse lineup of third-party titles, which is totally different than what we saw with the Nintendo Wii U. And the reason being being why that's a great thing is because that's going to attract even more players over time to pick up a switch. And I think a lot of it had to do between that and the positive word of mouth that kept getting passed around uh, by people, by consumers to other consumers is what really kind of like allowed this to happen, which is great, which is only going to attract even more third party developers, probably even entice other developers to jump on being part of the switch train as far as like developing games for it. And also even collabing with other companies within themselves to create other experiences for it. And I think this is only going to get better, you know, moving into 2018. Uh, I agree pretty much with everything that you both said. Uh, one point that I'm going to throw in before I hand it over to Max and Gary. Um, I know last year with the switch, I was one of the people that, that doubted that the game, that it was going to be a success only because I looked at the lineup, it, it, the initial lineup at launch. And I said, Zelda in a couple other games, I said, well, that's good. But uh, I don't really know what they have moving forward. Then when we got around to E3 and they had that little E3 conference where they announced all this stuff they were working on. They showed a couple of games that were coming out later that year. We already knew about Mario, but then they had the Fire Emblem game also coming out. Uh, So after I saw that, I was like, man, that's that's awesome. And then, of course, towards the end of the year, when we found out that, you know, Wolfenstein 2 is also coming as well as Doom. I mean, at that point, then I fully believe, okay, I was wrong about the Nintendo Switch, you know. So in terms of their 2018 lineup, I know we don't really know a lot of information so far. We know about Bayonetta. Uh, coming one and two three is in development um a couple other games we still have question marks on uh and we are going to talk about the nintendo direct in a minute also but uh i just think that i just want to say that you know i have faith that they are going to once again surprise people because i was surprised uh with the e3 uh conference they had all the stuff that they said they're working on that shows you that they are actually supporting the system and um that's why i mean i have no really really no criticism of nintendo i do have a switch I haven't really played the Switch yet because there's been so many games out that I've been trying to catch up on, but uh, I definitely am going to make sure I play it a lot more this year. But uh, yeah, congrats to Nintendo. Whether it's shipped or sold, it's still excellent for Nintendo in general. Um, But uh, Max, Gary, you have any thoughts on this news that you'd like to share? Yeah, I just echo everyone else and say... um... It's really good to hear, um, especially because, like, I feel like a lot of people were doubting the Nintendo Switch when, you know, it was first 
announced and everything or before it was even you know fully announced people were kind of doubting them because of the wii u and you know the uh the lack of success that had so it's good to see that you know nintendo pulled through and persevered and you know now they're a force to be reckoned with you know um so kudos to them yeah, man, I, I echo that as well. It's absolutely insane. You know, ever since the first reveal trailer of the Switch, they've kind of been on fire, though, which is really, really cool to see. Because I remember I remember one of the weirdest things about the marketing of the Switch from the start was that this time around, they like didn't have any kids in the trailers or anything like that. It was all focused on like adults and teenagers like who were bringing the system around, like going to bars and using it in like a public place and stuff. And I think that that is one of the big biggest reasons the switch took off so well is because it's the first time like honestly i guess you could argue since the 360 and the ps3 but even then the 360 and the ps3 were still just like more advanced versions of like the ps2 and the xbox whereas like the wii and now the switch were like the first real like innovations on console gaming and even the wii with the motion controls was cool but that still wasn't like super utilized it was still kind of gimmicky except for in certain cases like Wii Sports and stuff, you know, whereas the Switch, this isn't a gimmick. Like the entire thing is this new innovation that you can bring. It's both a home and portable console. You can bring it with you absolutely anywhere and you can finally set it down somewhere once you're settled in. Like that's absolutely insane. It's really, it's the ideal, aside from graphics and like, I guess, internet connectivity to a point, um the switch is like the ideal place to play absolutely any game like you don't have to stop playing when you have to leave you know if you have to take the train to work for a half hour you can spend a half hour gathering moons in mario you know or doing a few levels in sonic mania like no other console allows you to do that except for like the portable 3ds but even then at home you're still playing it on that small ass screen you don't have the opportunity to like plug it into the television stuff which is absolutely insane and then you even have like the portable or the uh capability with the joy con to allow two players to play it like in public like i want to say three weeks ago now i was out at a bar with some of my friends and he brought his switch and we ended up playing rocket league on the damn thing like just out of nowhere like it was entirely impromptu because those joy cons allow you allow it to be become two players no matter what you don't have to bring like an extra controller with you or anything like that it all comes with the system which is just absolutely insane and the not only that but like the giant indie push that was seen earlier this year and like throughout this year like indies are huge on the switch now it's just it's the ideal platform to play anything on and it's just absolutely really cool and i can't wait to get one and i'm really not surprised that the platform or that the system is taking off because nintendo has also been supporting it like crazy too and their 2018 lineup like you guys said is absolutely insane and it's only going to get better hopefully so yeah it should come as no surprise really uh, agreed. Uh, and I have one quick question to ask you, Max, before I uh, give the floor to Mr. Lugo to, to talk to us about this direct. Uh, Max, I have to ask you, so which system are you going to buy first, the Switch or the PS4? Yeah, that's a that's a tough question, huh? <laughs> I've been debating that a lot. Um, it may be the PS4 just because there's a lot more to catch up on. But I don't know, because also the games on the PS4 appeal to me more like Persona 5 is a game that appeals to me more. 
and stuff like that. And obviously Insomniac Spider-Man appeals to me more. Uh, but I don't know if they reveal that Pokemon game for the switch this year and it looks absolutely amazing. I don't know. It might be game over. I might have to go to the switch first. It's tough. It's tough. It's very, very tough decision. But, um, right now, probably PS4 first, if I had to do it like today. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds good. We'll see. I'll be very curious to see how that plays out. Um, so, uh, now, uh, I just want to mention real quickly, uh, I know that there was some rumored news about a Nintendo Direct taking place on January 11th, which would be next week. So, Mr. Lugo, feel free to uh, let us know what you've heard about this. Uh, not really much. Pretty much what's already been put out there is that there's been a lot of rumors floating around that really started off from a forum post, which is the offshoot of NeoGAF. The, I forgot the, the specific name of the forum at this moment, but it's the one that kind of spawned off from a lot of the moderators that came from NeoGAF that somebody had posted up that around January 11th is when we're going to get a Nintendo Direct about upcoming Switch games for 2018. Maybe a little bit of 3DS stuff, but it's mostly going to be focused on Nintendo Switch. Now, this kind of lines up with a lot of the previous times that this has happened, like towards the beginning of the year, where Nintendo would have a Nintendo Direct to talk about stuff coming up for the rest of the year, which is usually the primer that we get before the spring, which is also before E3. Usually when there's going to be big announcements from a Nintendo Direct, it'll be like towards the springtime. That's when usually Nintendo tends to have a habit of announcing some bigger stuff, or at least talking about some stuff that we've been waiting on for quite a while. If we do end up getting a Nintendo Direct uh, this week, again, as we're recording this on the 11th, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they talk about some stuff. They talk about the Switch numbers, about it being the, the fastest grow selling console around now. Uh, I would fully expect that. I would fully expect also maybe a little bit of some talk about uh, some of the mobile stuff because I feel like they talked a little bit about that before the, the holiday season. Uh, they probably have to expand upon a little bit more about some of the other stuff that they have in the works. But a lot of the bigger things that I would expect for them to talk about for like, you know, people want them to talk more about Metroid Prime 4. People want them to talk about uh, Smash Brothers finally coming to the Switch. Uh, that stuff I feel like we're not going to get at this Direct. I feel like that's something that they would either do in the spring like towards that release time or towards E3. Because I feel like those are announcements that would make a big splash that would turn a lot of heads during that time frame. Now, again, this is all speculation. I don't know for certain. I don't think anybody really knows for certain, save for the people that are involved with it. But if if I was a betting man, like as far as uh, what what exactly we will see this coming, uh, this coming week, uh, I would have to say games that we have already seen that we know that are in the pipeline that are in the pipeline that are coming soon but uh maybe a couple teases and then that's it i don't think it's going to be a really uh exciting nintendo direct unless they prove us wrong because they have done so plenty of times before but I, at least i'm going on the safer side and saying that i don't think we're going to get a lot out of it yeah sounds good to me um i mean yeah i uh, yeah we'll have to wait and see i mean all, all i know they have coming in February is the Bayonetta uh, collection one and two. One thing I shouldn't mention, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but I think I shouldn't mention this too, because I think it's also important. We yeah. also are getting closer to that time frame when we're going to have to start paying for the Nintendo online service for the switch. Now this is going to be a big deal because there's been details that have been, you know, divulged about it. They've talked about it here and there, but I don't think it's still clear to a lot of people, myself included, as far as what this service is, how much it's going to cost throughout the year, what type of services it's going to provide, you know, from being a part of it, besides the online functionality for all of games that's coming this year i believe it's coming towards june i want to say 
sometime like within the, within the next couple of months. I know there's a specific date out there. Correct me if I'm wrong in chat, but it's still coming very, very soon. And I feel like they'll probably reiterate that at some point. Yeah, that's a very good point. I didn't, wasn't even thinking about that. Um, they're definitely going to make that a little bit more clear. Um, but yeah, I mean, well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I, I'm pretty sure if, if the direct is happening uh, on the 11th, we'll find out about it either tomorrow or Tuesday. Um, who knows? But Because uh, they normally will announce that there is a direct coming days before it happens, and then it happens. So we'll see what happens. But uh, So uh, any other thoughts on uh, Nintendo Switch that you guys have? Feel free to go ahead and say them right now, and then we can move on to the next topic. I'm good. Okay, so um, I think now we're going to get into some of the entertainment portion. Uh, I believe, Dana, you you had something to say about uh, Atlanta. You know, I'm not talking about the city of Atlanta. I'm talking about the show. uh, Yeah. yeah. I had something to say about Atlanta and also about American Horror Story. Um, The TCAs was this week. It's still going on. It was around Friday or so. But Ryan Murphy took to the stage and he revealed about American Horror Story season eight and season nine. We just wrapped up on season seven a couple months ago. And basically he was just saying that season eight is going to be um, taking place in the near distant future. It's going to be something that's similar towards Black Mirror. And that he said is going to be a projection. And right now he's not shooting anything. He's not written a single word. He wants to make sure that they have the perfect cast, that they have the perfect story, and that they have the perfect directors and showrunners for the show. So everything right now is just being thought of in an idea. But he does know for certain that it's sci-fi and that it's going to be similar to Black Mirror. When it comes to season nine of American Horror Story, there is going to be the um, very highly anticipated crossover with American Horror Story House and the American Horror Story Coven storyline. So we're going to see those um to those characters and their stories crossover for, he didn't really say what the plot is. Again, everything is kind of very secretive. When it comes to Atlanta, um, they, um, sorry, Donald Glover um, said that the next season is going to take place during the holiday. So it's going to be a time when robberies spike, people have more money and people are in desperate need of money in order to buy the things that they want. So it's going to be a metaphor for all of the characters. Either everyone is really broke or really rich and, you know, trying to find a way to balance the in-between and there's going to be a lot of robberies and a lot of chaos. He said, weirdly enough, that it's inspired by Tiny Toons. So if you watch any of the Tiny Toon episodes, especially the Christmas episodes, that is something that he is trying to draw a parallel towards. Hey, that, well, let me just make two comments real quick. First and foremost, uh, I'm a huge fan of Atlanta. Yeah, uh, Robin Season, I think that's going to be the name of the season, too, because I guess they were going to title it that way. Yeah. Uh, But, hey, that's fantastic. You know, I didn't know that that was what the name meant or why they did it that way, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, Definitely would encourage people to check out the show because it's a very entertaining show. Obviously, it didn't air in 2017 because – Donald Glover has been filming uh, Star Wars, the Han Solo movie. So, um, but yeah, looking forward to that. 
Um, and as for uh, American Horror Story, I still haven't seen season seven. Uh, well, you mentioned Black Mirror, though. I did see Black Mirror this past uh, holiday break, and the show is, is fantastic. I know a lot of people will compare and say, well, some episodes are not as good as other, but I, I enjoyed season four a lot, um, and especially enjoyed Black Museum. Uh, but uh, definitely check that out if you are a Black Mirror fan. I don't know if anyone else here watches the show, so... But yeah, definitely worth checking out. Um, one other quick thing I did want to say very quickly as we are recording this show. Today is uh, January 7th. Um, if you have Showtime tonight, you need to watch The Shy. Uh, this is the show that obviously takes place in Chicago. It reminds me very much of The Wire. I feel like I definitely want to tell people to check out this show, though, because it's a really good show. Um, I know that a lot of times, a lot, a lot of times, you know, a lot of the shows that are currently on Showtime, they don't get renewed. I know White Famous didn't get renewed. That's why I want people to watch this show so that we don't have the same issue. But um, I just definitely wanted to make sure I did say check out that show if you have Showtime tonight, uh, because it you may be surprised by what you actually see. Um, but that's all I was going to add for entertainment. I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to say, Dana, or anyone else on the cast, because I don't know if you guys watch any of these other shows. Oh, no, I just, yeah, The Shy is, is, is an amazing show. So everyone, please go and watch that. I'm going to start checking out Atlanta soon because I've been hearing a lot of good stuff about it. So I got to dive into it. Yeah, it's a good show. Good show. Donald Glover's great. Uh, and as someone who lives in Atlanta, I can confirm, yes, they captured Atlanta perfectly. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think that's pretty much it for the uh, entertainment portion of the show. Uh, now we're going to get into some stuff that uh, we need to talk about in, in, regarding our 2017 games. Uh, we were going to have a podcast for that, but uh, due to the timing, uh, it was going to be a little bit difficult because a lot of us had already, were already away for the holidays. Um, but we did want to at least address a couple of our personal game of the year picks for 2017 because 2017 was an excellent year for video games, without without a doubt. So definitely felt it was important to address some of that stuff. So I don't know if you guys have a few picks, maybe two or three picks of games you enjoyed most from 2017. But uh, I'm going to let you start us off, Mr. Lugo, because I know you played a lot of stuff, maybe more stuff than I played. So feel free to let us know what your uh, game of the year picks are for 2017. Yeah, I mean, I've talked a little bit about it with Gary uh, on our turn-based episode. My my game of the year, hands down, like I've maintained, is still Persona 5. I still think that is probably the best game this year that, that I played uh, and well-deservedly of the 100 that I gave it uh, in my review. That That's the only game thus far throughout the entire year and uh, as all the time that I've been on the Coalition where I've given 100 out of 100 and deservedly so. Uh, the other two games I want to give a shout-out to, you know, for just picking three here, uh, I want to give a shout-out to Nier because I felt like that was a game that was really good that kind of got a little bit snubbed by you know by the the game awards and could it should have gotten a lot more recognition than what it got uh, and finally also I want to give a big shout out to Injustice 2 because I felt like Injustice 2 was probably the best fighting game this year and I felt like it provided a lot of content it had a lot of what people loved about fighting games NetherRealm is phenomenal with their amount of like stuff and detail that they put into their story modes the best one in the industry thus far when it comes to fighting genre even though there was a lot of other big time games that again I'm just not mentioning because either I didn't play them or there's just way too many to name those are three games that I felt like really deserved the shine that they were getting. 
Very good picks, and I agree with a lot of what you said. Injustice 2 is awesome. So, yeah, that definitely deserves to be mentioned. Okay, uh, Mr. Uh, Max Muller, how about you let us know what your uh, three picks would be for your personal game of the years for 2017? All right. Um, three is tough, but three, I can narrow it down to three. Um, I'd have to say Sonic Mania is definitely one of the top three that I've played this year. Sonic Mania was, you know, I'd heard all the hype about it all year. And like earlier I said, I wanted to wait on it until like around Christmas where I had a lot of free time to kind of delve into it. Um, I can definitely say it lived up to all the hype that I heard um, throughout the year. I was blown away by, you know, I've been a long time Sonic fan, like for as long as I've been playing games, I've been a Sonic fan and it's mostly been 3d sonic because the first game that got me into sonic was sonic adventure 2 went back and played the first one and then i played um what other i played some of the wii ones but i was too young to know that they were absolute trash even though no back then i still even thought they were kind of absolute trash but it was more sonic and then later on in like high school i was able to pick up some of the older 2d sonic games which i absolutely fell in love with sonic all over again and then you know since then we've had a bunch of ridiculous releases like sonic unleashed colors was good generations was great and then there's just a bunch of bs in between all of that and then Mania just kind of came and just blew us all away again and is like the perfect rendition of 2D Sonic. It's absolutely everything we could ask for. You know, I've been playing it whenever I can, even though I've pretty much done everything aside from the bonus stages. Like, I don't even care. Like, I do want to finish all the bonus stages, but like, I don't even care if I finish them. I just get to play the game more, just trying to get to more of the bonus stages. It's absolutely great, you know? There's so much fan service in it. It's not even funny. The soundtrack is absolutely killer. Just everything about the game. It entirely lived up to the hype. And I was able, I'm so happy I was able to sit down and just play it for like hours straight, you know, because I gave myself time to do that. That was an amazing idea and it was just an awesome game through and through and yeah can't wait for like a sonic mania 2 or something else can't wait to see what else comes out of christian whitehead um let's see neo as i'm sure i've talked about on the show before you know i'm a huge souls fan neo is one of the souls like games that i think twists up the formula more so than any other souls like game uh even more so than like the souls franchise has on its own iterations like I think that the changes in Neo from Dark Souls 3 are much more than even like the changes from Dark Souls 1 all the way to 3. Like Neo incorporates so much extra stuff. It's a lot more of like a regular game. You know, I guess the point of Souls isn't to have a whole bunch of like extra stuff or anything like that. You know, the point is that it's kind of minimalist and that it's kind of you figure things out on your own or like you do your own kind of in-depth research. Whereas Neo is more of a traditional game, you know, there's cut scenes, there's like lore books, there's all types of things actually telling you what to do. There's like end game content. There's a bunch of menus like informing you of everything. But in terms of like gameplay mechanics, different types of weapons you could use, different stances, different types of magic items, all sorts of different stuff. Um, variation is absolutely insane when compared to Souls. And I just really appreciated that because honestly, by the time Dark Souls 3 came out, I was getting pretty used to those games. And while I do love them, you know, I love Bloodborne, of course, too. They were getting a bit on the easier side, which is fine. They're still challenging games, but I liked getting my ass kicked, like, when I first played through Dark Souls 1. And Neo definitely did that again. Neo kicked my ass more so than I can say any other game has this year, which was awesome. I absolutely loved that. And then number three is a very tough one. Um, this is kind of between, like, say, Prey 
uh 2017's prey you know the one that came out back in may because i love arcane games or cuphead you know cuphead for pretty obvious reasons you know everyone's told you about why cuphead is amazing that was another game i waited until the end of the year to play and was absolutely blown away by you know by everything like down to the soundtrack like i remember i i was playing late at night with my brother one day and i paused the game to like go grab some water or something and i come back and i'm just again because the soundtrack is just still going behind the pause menu and it's so intense and high paced and it just like makes you anxious again it's really funny and it's really it's really quite brilliant how well that game runs and just how creative it is every single boss fight is just something else like there's this dragon that turns into like a three-headed dragon and just starts shooting these random ass fireballs at you it's there's just so much random stuff going on in that game and i absolutely love it um but Prey, Prey was more of a surprise to me than anything else because, it, you know, when it came out, there was a lot of divisive opinions on it. You know, I remember Tony said he didn't even end up finishing it because he didn't like it so much. Um, and there were other people that said they loved it, but like, you know, everyone had their own different opinions on it. And to be fair, it does cater to a specific type of crowd. It's definitely not for everyone. It's a hard game. It's kind of st- stealthy but kind of not kind of like the Dishonored games like the Dishonored games they give you a lot of different ways to play the game like combat focused but at the end of the day the engine and just the way that the main character plays just doesn't cater itself to that as well as stealth gameplay does and it's the same case in in Prey even though you could get these like ridiculous powers that make you really strong it's just it's like hard to aim things in that game it's it's done on purpose but it's just you're always better off with stealth in those types of games. So they don't cater to everyone. But what really worked with me with Prey was just kind of how it allowed you to do absolutely whatever you want. You're kind of encouraged to try and break the game in certain ways. And like you'll do things that you aren't you wouldn't think are possible, but they're actually like thrown in there by the developers. Like there are so many different routes to do so many different things. And you could play the game normally and you wouldn't even know that. But if you take like, for example, the glue gun, the gun that you get like right at the beginning of the game, it just shoots out, you know, glue and it like sticks on the walls and stuff. And you could climb up it and find all these different alternate routes. Or like you can use the glue gun on different enemies and it like will either slow them down or stop them completely, allowing you to like scan them for extra powers or just leave them there or go up and fight them. And you it could be used really strategically in battle. It's just, there's all sorts of little touches here and there. The story was actually really good. It was voice acted really well. There's multiple endings, but some of the endings are like fake endings, which is really cool. And it just kind of toys with you from the beginning. And it's one of those games where like, once you've beaten it, you really want to go back and try it again because you know so much now and there's actually so much more going on and you'd really benefit from a second playthrough like story-wise and lore-wise. It's just really cool, really surprising to me. I'm really sad because I know that neither Dishonored 2 nor Prey sold the best. So I don't know if we'll be seeing any more like arcane games in that vein, which is a real shame because they always review pretty well. Again, Prey was kind of divisive, but I think at the end of the day, it's still reviewed like pretty well. But I just hope that that era of games isn't like over after uh, Prey. And I know Death of the Outsider came out that also reviewed well the Dishonored expansion, but I don't think that sold super well either, which is a shame. But yeah, I just really hope that those games continue because they're absolutely incredible games and I highly recommend them to anyone. But yeah, I'd have to say, you know, of course, there were a bunch of other games that came out this year that were amazing, but I'd have to say those are definitely my top three. Those are great picks, and I'll just say that I also was a fan of Prey and the music as well. Music is fantastic, so uh, 
Yeah, I hope that Arcane is able to make more games, but I, I'm going to get into my picks later on because I, I do have something to say that's that's very similar along that line. Uh, Dana, how about you let us know what your uh, top three games were for 2017? Um, okay, uh, we have uh, Mario Odyssey, which, you know, it's given. Cuphead, which was just ridiculously hard. It's the game that I hate and I love at the same time. And also um, Persona 5. I'm like really getting into it and I'm, I'm, I'm loving every single thing. And it's one of those games that you have to just keep playing again and again. So those three. Yes, very, very solid picks all around. Yeah, sounds good. Um, so I'm actually going to go next, and then I'll give the floor to Gary. Um, so my top three picks, uh, yeah, it's very hard to narrow it down to top three. I unfortunately did not play a lot of the major blockbusters from last year. So Horizon Zero Dawn, I didn't get a chance to play that. So I will not be talking about that. You know, I, I do have a resolution to play that to play a lot of the older games, get caught up on a lot of the older games for this year. We'll get into that later also. But my top three, hands down, uh, Nier Automata, once again, because I believe it was back in December of 2016, that was when Square released a demo of uh, Nier, Nier Automata. And ever since I played that demo, I was sold on the game. I, I just It was uh, exciting, fantastic. I like the way that they did the combat in the gameplay and how they laid all that out in the particular game. Uh, and then obviously when I got my hands on the finished product, I was just, again, really floored by all of the creativity put into that game. Very glad to hear that it's done well and that they are now considering doing uh, other sequels in the series or just other th stories within that particular universe, which is awesome. Uh, I only got to play through it one time. I have to go back and play through it the other two times, obviously, to get the full completion. But yeah, from what I played, awesome game, fantastic game. And that actually was when I had decided that I was going to start to play more of these types of games. So that's definitely on the top of my list. Uh, number two, a game that I feel a lot of people slept on last year. And obviously, with so many indie games, it's very hard to sleep on a lot of games. But I have to say, what remains of Edith Finch? Because I like the concept of that game. You know, as I mentioned on this show before, the main concept of the game is that, you know, it's basically stories being told of a family that there's always something that happens to relatives within the family. And you get to see what happened to each family member, how they died, so on and so forth as it's being told through the narration of a family member. Um, the way they piece together that story, that concept is, is absolutely fantastic. Now, again, the game is short. It's like, it's gonna take maybe about 90 minutes to get through, but the concept, the execution and how everything comes together in the end, I really think that is a game that a lot of people should have played last year. Hopefully they get a chance to play it this year, but I have to say that definitely is on the top of my list just because of how it was done, the execution, everything. Just fantastic. In a very heartfelt story, which it, it will it will get people emotional, but it's it really makes you think. When you see a games like this being done, it just shows the range of what is possible for video games. Because I hate when people see like a first person shooter or just a, a, something that's already been done, you know, and they just try to say, 
when certain games may have, we deal with certain subject matters, they feel like, oh, this is too offensive. But when you do see a game like this, this right here is proof that, yes, there are great video games out there that can tackle different subject matters and do it very, very well. So definitely would encourage people to check that out. What, what remains of Edith, of, uh, Edith Finch? Um, and the third game that I would add to my list uh, is Wolfenstein 2. Now, let me go ahead and say right now, uh, Wolfenstein 2, I don't necessarily think it was better than The New Order. Uh, because when that game came out, you know, it just came out and I was just surprised by every aspect of it. This sequel, they took a lot more risk with the storytelling, with the subject matter, with a lot of different things. And I would think, I would say that for the most part, that did pay off. The gameplay is just tight and fluid. The action, fantastic. But the story and the direction of where the story goes towards the end is a little, you know, a little hit and miss for some. Some aspects of it I didn't like with that particular direction, but I liked the overall uh, way that it was presented. The fact that Bethesda made the announcement and then we were playing it a couple months later. Again, all awesome stuff. And I am a Wolfenstein fan. Plus, I heard in a recent interview that they had always planned to make this a trilogy. So they have every intention of making another game, but obviously it, again, depends on how well this game sold. Now, considering that this game came out at the same time as Mario Odyssey and Assassin's Creed Origins, I don't really know if that's going to fare well for what happens with the next game. I really, I don't really know how Bethesda is going to do that. I know they also cut this game as well as all the games they release uh, around that time to $30 during the holiday season. So I'm hoping people bought the game. Uh, I don't really know. I guess, you know, when NPD numbers come out for December, in January, we'll find out whether or not it continued to sell. But uh, I'm hopeful that we do get another game because I want to see how they intended to end off this trilogy. But yeah, the second game, it, it was still a great game. You know, not as good as the first game, but still worthy of playing, especially if you're a first-person shooter fan, an action fan, and a Wolfenstein fan. Are my top three for 2017. Uh, as I said, I didn't get to play a lot of other games. Uh, hopefully I get to play a lot of this other stuff this year because uh, I have a lot to catch up on. But uh, Gary, now I'm going to hand it off to you and allow me to say before you even get started, no Overwatch, this better not be one of your top three of 2017. So go ahead. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately it's not. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely Persona 5 was my you know game of the year uh me and jj were just talking about this on the turn based and yeah um definitely it's the best rpg and the, to me the best game that came out last year and i'm glad that you know more people are still getting into it you know like dana and ramiz like they're both currently playing it right now so um that's great that there's more people getting into the experience uh, I, I just really like i love the art style i love the soundtrack is amazing and you know the story and the gameplay is just like I, I still play it even though i've completed the game like you know i still play it just because it makes me feel good so yeah definitely persona 5 uh, as my game of the year um as for like honorable mentions i'm definitely gonna go near automata um great game i love the action i love the gameplay i like how the gameplay switches up as well so, like, you know, sometimes it's like an old-school um, space shooter kind of game. Like, you know, one of those type of games. 
So yeah, I really loved that. Soundtrack was also really good in that game. And I agree with JJ that it, it didn't get, you know, all the praises it deserved last year, but it was there there's it still has a big fan base. Like there's still a lot of people that really love it and really enjoyed it mm-hmm. out there. So I do hope that more people try that game out eventually. Because it's definitely worth it. Um, and I guess for the third game, I would go with uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm-hmm. Just because um, I, I haven't even completed that game, but it was really good. Um, it reminded me a lot of like an Assassin's Creed. It kind of like mixed gameplay styles together a lot. So it was like Assassin's Creed blended with The Witcher and uh, Tomb Raider almost as well. Um, a lot of different elements kind of, you know, fused together, but it's still very original as well, you know, because you have, like, uh, the robotic dinosaurs and everything. The setting is, like, kind of fantasy, like, you know, old-school fantasy, but there's also tech in the world as well. So I like that kind of blend of, you know, different things in, in that game. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, my top three for 2017, I think. Very good picks all around. Yeah. So, yeah, we definitely just wanted to make sure that we addressed uh, some of the 2017 games. As I said, there was a lot of great games that came out last year. And uh, we're going to see what takes place in 2018. So I'm going to go ahead and now move on to uh, the next topic. And, yeah, this is, well, the next topic and the main topic. The next topic is, I guess Gary wanted to ask the question if you guys have any 2018 gaming resolutions. So basically, do you have any gaming habits that you want to change in 2018 or anything along those lines? Uh, Gary, how about you start us off if you have anything that you want to change in 2018? Yeah, so my main gaming resolution this year, um, and I feel like you know this has probably been the case in the last two years, but I definitely want to play more indie games this year because... I feel like in 2017, uh, a lot of, like I was disappointed in a lot of like the mainstream, you know, AAA games like Mass Effect. Um, you know, I didn't even play Star Wars, but just how that turned out, Star Wars, Destiny 2 even. And I was a big advocate for, for the first Destiny. I love that game. I still say that it's probably one of the best games this generation. But Destiny 2 just fell short. Like it was, it was, it just wasn't that good to me. So I feel like, you know, I'm starting to get a bit tired of all these big blockbuster AAA games. And I feel like they're not innovating, they're not offering anything original. Um, And, you know, even though I wouldn't say I played more indie games, but I did play more obscure games in 2017. And I I enjoyed myself, like, you know, I I enjoyed gaming a little bit more, kind of ignoring some of the AAA stuff. Um, So I definitely want to do that on a bigger scale this year and actually play a lot of indie games this year. And I'm going to be paying close attention to, you know, the games that, you know, Max and Dana talk about because I know they're really into indie games a lot. And, you know, a few other people on the team as well are really into indie games. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to start paying close attention to all of the indie games just so I can get, you know, different level of experience because I'm I'm really starting to get tired of, you know, all these AAAs and 
stuff not living up to what they're supposed to be. So that's really my main resolution this year. This year, <laughs> excuse me. All right, so that's a good resolution. I, I will say very quickly, uh, I'm very surprised that you mentioned Mass Effect Andromeda because I believe that you and Ramis really enjoyed that game. Uh, so that's that's a little shocking to hear. Oh, no way. <laughs> and anyone who thinks that needs to go listen to the show we did together about Mass Effect. Yeah. Yes, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Definitely, they definitely need to check that out. There was a lot of ugly. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, uh, Mr. Lugo, do you have any uh, gaming resolutions for 2018? I mean, besides the typical play more, I think that everybody could play more games when they can. Even though last year I played a lot, I probably played more than everybody here on this panel in one way or another. But uh, I'm still going to play more games. I also want to be able to play more games that a lot of people have been talking about around the time when they first start having those discussions. Because a lot of the big games that which I played last year that were also contenders for games of the year, uh, I played late. Like, for example, Horizon Zero Dawn, I didn't play until I actually got a free copy of it from Geo Corsi uh, over at PlayStation. Because, again, I was just playing way too many games, you know, within that time frame, like with, for reviews and stuff, to be able to really sit down and absorb it. So this year, I'm going to really try to make the time to play some of those games around the times, you know, during release or when discussions are really big. You know, not only so I could talk about it with you guys and talk about it with everybody else, but also feel like, again, I'm part of the entire conversation that's going on. Yeah, that's a good point. Very good point. Um, okay, Dana, do you have any gaming resolutions for 2018? Yes, it is to play more games, way more games than what I've, I've been playing right now. So it's to play, play more games and also more indie games. Sounds good. Um, I so I I do have a resolution. I'm gonna say mine, and I'm gonna give the floor to Max. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, obviously it would be to play more games, but but I'm actually going to change up minds a little bit. Uh, I have a ridiculous backlog of games that I have not played. As I said already, I didn't play Horizon Zero Dawn this year. I just picked up Hellblade, so I'm actually going to spend most of my 2018 catching up on everything from 2017. I'll still play some of the 2018 games, but I'm not going to rush to to get to most of those. It just depends. Because one other thing I did notice last year is that a lot of the big games that came out in 2017, I purchased ahead of time on day one, and I still haven't had a chance to play them. Then I find out on Black Friday, most of those games are half price. So what I'm going to do is, you know, obviously I will play some of the big games this year, not every big game. You know, because it makes sense to just wait until later when the price is less, and then I'll actually have time to play it. Uh, whereas this, you know, this past year, you know, I picked up Horizon Zero Dawn day one, still haven't played the game. And here we are almost a year later to when the game actually came out. So I won't be doing that in this year. I'm going to just take my time, work my way through my backlog, play some of the 2018 titles that I am looking forward to most and leave it at that. But that's my resolution, uh, among among others. That's the main resolution as far as gaming is concerned. Uh, Max, how about you? To let us know what your gaming resolution is for 2018. Um, you know, like everyone else, play more games. It's not even that I didn't play a lot of games this year. It's that I didn't 
finish a lot of games. So while, of course, I do want to play more games and set more time aside for that, I want to finish more games, you know? Like, playing through, like, halfway through games is a good way to get, like, the conversation going. Like, you know how JJ was talking about how he wants to just play more games when they come out at release and everything. You know, I agree with that. I want to start doing that, too. And, like, I did get to do that with some games, but... I and I only got again I only got like halfway through them I never got to actually end up finishing them so I think I want not only do I want to start playing games much closer to their release dates but I also want to be finish them I take a long time to play games sometimes like I'll because I try to do everything in them like I try to 100% them and everything I try to read all the lore and everything and sometimes that just isn't always viable of course it depends on the game like if I'm playing was i playing oh metro like in the metro series like i'm going to sit down and read through all the lore because that lore is absolutely insane it just it really pulls me in and i love that type of world or like evil within 2 i was doing the same thing with that but like there are some games where i feel like i do that more just for completionist reasons than because i actually want to so it's those types of games where i can just probably just start actually playing through them and not just going through every single corner and looking for every single collectible and piece of thing here and there. I can always go back and do that after beating it, you know, because at the end of the day, I am playing these games for like the experience for the story and everything, you know, to actually finish it. And then also to talk about it with friends and like you guys and everything on the show and everything like that. So yeah, that's it. I really want to finish more games more than anything else. That also means I can't be playing Rocket League as much, which is sad, but (laughs) <laughs> that's a sacrifice I'll have to be willing to make. Well, hey, I totally understand that. That's a very good resolution to have. I hope that I am able to also do that myself, but uh, I got to work. I got I to gotta get through my backlog first, man. Uh, I may not be able to get through some of these newer games. So we'll, we'll see, though. But, yeah, definitely, hopefully enough to at least have a conversation about it. Um, yeah, but- that's the other issue is the backlog. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, I think everybody, I think a lot of people here in this in this particular uh, chat definitely have a lot of games they definitely want to get to also. So uh, we'll see what happens. But um, 2018, big year for gaming. And uh, on that note, we're going to move on to the main topic, uh, a topic that uh, I'm pretty sure is going to lead to some very interesting conversations. Basically, uh, Gary had well, we had posed the question that. Uh, you know, based on what we know so far about 2018, is it possible for 2018 to be an even bigger year for video games than 2017 is? Um, so one comment I want to make before we get this conversation started. I mean, I'm looking at the releases for 2018 right now, uh, and I see that at least, you know, we have a good idea of what's coming out between January and March. But, you know, and then some stuff with April, too. There's still a lot of question marks as to whether or not some of this stuff is actually going to be coming out later in the year. Um, I did see that in the chat we had um, we had a fan mention Death Stranding, Last of Us 2, Ghost of Tsushima, Shadow of the Colossus, Monster Hunter World, and Red Dead Redemption 2. I think it's safe to say that Death Stranding and Last of Us 2 are definitely not coming out this year. It's, it's, no, it's no way. And Sony already has all these other titles like Spider-Man, uh, Days Gone, and uh, what's the other one? Detroit Become Human, which they've already said 2018 for those games. But again, we have to wait and see because I know that they just 
I saw a couple of tweets sent out yesterday from Insomniac Games that they were play, play testing through Spider-Man. I don't really know if that is an indication of how close it is to being finished. I have no idea. Um, but I just think that with Last of Us 2, I definitely think that's next year. I don't think it's 2018 at all uh, because that seems like it's too soon. Um, and with Death Stranding, we haven't even seen gameplay yet. So there's no way in hell that's coming out this year. Just my personal opinion. But just to ask you guys, based on what you think, do you think 2018 uh, is on pace to be an even better year than 2017? Um, how about you start us off with your thoughts on this, Mr. Lugo? Uh, to be honest, I think every year has the potential to be the best year ever for games at the very start of it. The problem is, though, like you mentioned, a lot of those games, we don't know if they're coming out specifically this year. I mean, there's a couple other games that people have thrown out there that, again, still confirmed if they're even at any point coming out this year. That would be Kingdom Hearts 3, Final Fantasy VII Remake, uh, Dragon Quest. There's a whole bunch that are just given TBA right now. And I feel like as we go through the course of the year, we're going to learn more about when those games are coming out, if they're coming out this year. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm looking at some of the lists now, and the very start of this year is pretty good, You know, especially in January. We got, uh, was it, Street Fighter V Arcade Edition. We got Dragon Ball Fighters. We got Monster Hunter Worlds, Dissidia, Final Fantasy NT, all in January. And that's pretty cool. But again, that's just the start. We won't know how this year is going until we get to like maybe about April. April, May, at least right before E3. And once we get to that E3 time, then we'll be able to, what is it? Then we'll be able to see like how exactly this year is facing up to 2017. Because I tell you right now, every single month of 2017, there was a big release that was awesome that came out. And that's very, very hard at the top. And a lot of it has to do with timing as far as like when games were being developed and how they were actually coming along and when they were finishing. Some of those games, keep in mind, also were supposed to come out in 2016 that got pushed back to 2017, and we found out about that towards the later half, towards the end of the year. So there was a lot of different factors that appreciate that, you know, that kind of like really contributed to that. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll know come April. Uh, ask me again back in April. Yes. Very good explanation. Very good point. Uh, Mr. Max Muller, how about you uh, let us know your thoughts on this topic? Uh, yeah, uh, this is this is a tough thing to answer because, like JJ said, there's a lot of games that are speculated to be coming out this year, but we're not entirely sure, like Kingdom Hearts and Death Stranding. Even, I believe, Shenmue 3 is expected for some reason to come out this year, even though there's almost no chance of that. I'd have to say out of that list of three, Kingdom Hearts 3 is the only one with a sliver of a chance at even coming out. That's just because it's been in development for so long and we've known about it for so long and we've actually seen something on it. Um, but that would that would just be absolutely amazing. But also, like JJ was saying, we still do have a, a lot to look forward to. You know, we have some personal things that I'm really looking forward to are like Monster Hunter World, which is already in a few weeks which is absolutely awesome you know i know a lot of people are looking forward to dragon ball fighter z i'm looking forward to the new metro game you know of course spider-man i know i've been hearing people say and i'm not entirely sure what's going to come of this but i have been including mark um who isn't in the chat right now but he's usually in here every week um he was saying me and him were talking about a new elder scrolls game coming out this year he thinks that's possible i don't think that's coming out at all I don't think that we may see an announcement on it, but you know, that's a series that's been dormant for a while. And I know that Bethesda has also said they're working on some other brand new stuff. 
And as we know, Bethesda kind of has their trend of announcing things a few months before they come out. So we might see some crazy new IP from Bethesda this year, which would be really cool. Um, let's see what else I'm going through the list. Sea of Thieves. I don't know. That still has some potential. Um, that's maybe a big game. I don't know. You know, Far Cry 5 is coming in March. That's going to be huge. That was really controversial, I remember. So we may see more of that controversy come out around that game. Hopefully that's good. Uh, there's this horror game where you have to escape from hell called Agony that I'm actually really looking forward to, but that could go either way right now. You know how indie horror games are. <laughs> that could go entirely either way. You know, there's there's just a lot of cool little indie games coming out. Do you guys remember that game, Biomutant? Um, that game, I think it was like it was like a squirrel or something. Yes, I played yeah. that game. That game is oh, awesome. played it. Okay, yeah, that's supposed to come out this year. So we have a lot of titles like that, you know, and also like Darksiders 3. I feel like we have a lot of titles that like, aren't forgotten but they're kind of like just buried right now until like we'll get closer to the release date and we'll start seeing a lot more of that hype you know which is really cool that seems to be a lot of it this year whereas in 2017 a lot of games come out like jj said there was a big game every month and honestly a lot of games came out in the first like three months of the year you know last year we had horizon we had zelda come out uh, I believe Nier came out earlier in the year, too. We had Neo come out early on the PS4. You know, we had a huge, huge uh, powerhouse of games pretty early on, whereas this year, it seems to be a bit more spread out right now. But as we know, a lot of these games don't have release dates just yet, so that they can just sprinkle in throughout the year. Who knows? Maybe we'll have a killer summer. We'll always have a killer fall. You know, that's every year, but who knows? But I, I think right now, it's hard to say that it would be the best year and be better than 2017 just yet. Yeah. Very good points. Um, I do have some things to say, but uh, I'm going to let uh, Dana, how about you go next and you let us know if, uh, what do you think about the 2018 uh, gaming lineup so far? I think it's going to be very exciting and it, you know, JG did say every game has the potential of being, you know, the best of of that year. But I'm very much looking forward to um, 2018 a little bit more. Um, hopefully, pending that everything is released on time. Uh, Monster Hunter World, I was able to play um, the demo for that. And I just love that game so, so much. Um, obviously, um, Spider-Man for PS4, that's going to hopefully be amazing as it looks. Um, Far Cry 5, I'm slightly interested in how that ends up coming out. Um, let's see. Well, there's also, um, I think State of Decay 2 might be a little fun. And of course, I, I can't say how much more I love this. I'm looking forward. I can't say I love it, but I love the concept and I love what we've seen so far was Detroit Become Human. I, uh, that's like on the top of my list. I'll be there day one, you know, for my copy. I second that. That game is fantastic. Um, we got a chance to play it at PSX, and yeah, it's it's an awesome game. So many possibilities, so many choices. So I, I'm looking forward to that. Um, oh, well, let me just give a quick shout out to Max. I know Max has to step out. He did mention v- Vampire is a game to look forward to. I'm looking forward to that also because we did play that. Well, we got to see it at E3. We didn't get to play it. Um, one comment that I want to make real quick, and then I'm going to give the floor over to Gary. Uh, well, 2018, my thoughts on this particular topic, yeah, uh, as I already said earlier, and we've all said, we need to see how everything pans out with the other games. 
whether or not we get release dates that actually are this year and not push to 2019. One thing I will say, though, and I think Mr. Lugo will agree with this, I think 2018 is going to be a very big year for PlayStation VR uh, because already, you know, Mr. Lugo had had an interview with Moss he conducted earlier this week, which is fantastic. You should check that out. But we have a lot of games that I know Sony is doubling down on PlayStation VR. I know the Inpatient will be out in a couple of weeks. A lot of other games that they have that are in development. Some games were at PSX. I didn't necessarily get to play them, but I did see people playing them, such as Gollum, uh, so on and so forth. So I definitely think PlayStation VR is going to be a massive success this year. Well, it's going to have a lot more support this year, no doubt about that. Um, but in terms of the other games that are coming out this year, it very well could be a, a, a bigger year. But yeah, it depends on if everything comes out. Um, God of War, you know, we still don't have a release date for that. I'm surprised we didn't get that at PSX. Um, but it is coming out this year. I'm pretty sure of that. But yeah, I mean, it's just so many possibilities. So we'll have to see how everything pans out. But uh, Gary, uh, so now what are your thoughts on this particular topic? Uh, so yeah, let me start out by saying that um, 2017 was it. It was actually an incredible year, you know. Despite the letdowns, um, there were like there was some great video game releases last year, and 2017 is actually the first year that I felt like a proud console owner this generation. Because before 2017, I was you know starting to feel like. This generation is just like this week. Like, this, what was the point of this generation? But yeah, um, last year changed my mind, and we started to see a lot of really original and creative uh, video games releasing, and that was great. Um, does this year have the potential to top that and be one of the best years? The potential is definitely there. But, you know, like JJ mentioned, and, you know, uh, you other guys mentioned as well. It does depend on if these games actually release because we could still get a lot of pushbacks. Um, we know that, you know, Red Dead Redemption 2 is supposed to come out, God of War, Detroit, um, uh, Spider-Man. You know, there's a lot of stuff that's meant to come out this year, but will it actually come out? You know, Anthem is another one, another big one. Uh, well, that game, you know, I kind of need to see more of it, but it does have, you know, potential. Uh, but yeah, there's like if you look at the Wikipedia page and the stuff that's supposed to release this year, like there's a lot of heavy hitters, a lot of games of interest. You know, Shenmue Three is you know one that would be nice to have sometime soon. Um, so if if all of these games do release and you know they are somewhat quality, then this I I do believe this year will top last year. It's just a matter of you know will they come out. And, you know, or will we be disappointed? Uh, but, yeah, I think the potential is definitely there. There's a lot I'm looking forward to. Uh, when Richard actually posted his article, you know, at the top of the week, the, the most anticipated games of January, I was actually shocked at that, you know, reading that article. Because I was like, wait, Dissidia is coming out this month? And, you know, uh, what was the other one? Um, uh, man, uh, Dragon Ball Z Fighters is coming out this month. Like, I was looking at that and I was shocked, like, because it still felt like those games were far away. And, you know, just to see that those big games were coming out this month, I was like, wow, like, I'm, I'm going to have to amend my schedule a little bit, make some changes, 
to, to my timetables and stuff. Because, man, like, the, those are two games that I've been looking forward to. And, um, you know, it's, it's going to continue. Like, it's going to continue on like that. And it feels like um, the way things used to be in terms of video game releases is, like, all the big stuff used to come out at the end of the year. But it feels like since January 2017, it's, it's been a constant Gamergeddon, like, nonstop. Like, games have just been dropping back to back to back to back to back. All games that I want to play as well. And I'm still kind of backed up. There's still games that I want to complete or, you know, even just play, you know, from 2017. And it seems like it's not going to slow down. It seems like the, the game again is still occurring right this moment. So, um, yeah, I, I do feel like th this year could be a pretty amazing one. And I just want to add as well that, you know, this is the 10 year and this is going to be the 10 year anniversary of the coalition. So, I do hope that this is a great year for gaming overall because, you know, that will coincide with, you know, the the whole brand and everything. So I'm looking forward to a great year overall. Very good. Very good thoughts all around. Uh, one thing I will say, since you mentioned Dragon Ball Z coming out January 26th, uh, we actually do have a contest giveaway going on now that you guys hopefully saw on the website. We'll be sure to leave a link so that you also can, you know, enter for your chance to win if you haven't already. That giveaway ends on January 10th, which is next week. So if you haven't entered already, you definitely should do so soon. Um, but just to go back to what you said about Dragon Ball Z, I, I especially, um, well, I don't really know how the rest of 2018 is going to be, but January is excellent. And I especially am happy to know about Dragon Ball Z coming out on the 26th because that's actually my birthday. So Dragon Ball Z and Monster Hunter World coming out on my birthday this year. So hopefully that's a good sign of what's to come for the rest of the year. But uh, definitely, definitely looking forward to 2018 releases all across the board. Uh, hopefully um, we will definitely get more information, as Mr. Lugo has already said. You know, before E3, we'll probably know a lot of stuff. And then once E3 comes, we'll then probably get a better idea of everything coming out in the fall. So definitely looking forward to all of that. But um, any other thoughts on this particular topic before we wrap up today's show? No, that's pretty much it. But you did mention uh, Monster Hunter, and that's another one where I was like, wow. Like this is <laughs> January is a hell of a month, but yeah, um, that's pretty much it for me, though. Absolutely. All right, so yes, that concludes today's show. Uh, our first co-op back for the new year. Um, so we definitely thank you all for checking out today's show. Feel free to leave your comments on things you want us to talk about in the future, and we will be back next Sunday for another show live pretty much around 1 30 2 o'clock we normally try to keep that time uh pretty much there but uh do you guys have any final shout outs that you would like to give uh and i'm going to go ahead and start with you first mr lugo uh yeah i actually have a few and one last few things i would need to touch on that are actually kind of important number one i want to give a big shout out to gunners gunner optics because they actually sent me 
uh, two of their model glasses recently to do an unboxing and precious video that's up on the website now that you guys could check out. Uh, I took a look at the Gunner Intercept and the Gunner Razor FPS. They're very, very good glasses. Again, I really go into detail about how they feel and how they look and stuff, you know, while wearing them and such uh, in the unboxing and precious video. I think they're pretty dope. They're pretty interesting. Here's hoping we could check out some more of those glasses uh, in the nearby future, but definitely check that out because I think it's really informative. Also, huge, huge announcement. I actually announced earlier today on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all over the place. But uh, we're going to have a big special guest this week on Tuesday on my TK Spotlight show. And I'm happy to announce finally, uh, able to talk about it, that the special guest this uh, week or this episode is going to be none other than world-renowned Street Fighter player Justin Wong, who's part of Echo Fox. So this is a big deal for us because obviously big special guests. It's going to be a lot of fun chatting it up with Justin about Street Fighter, about competitive gaming, about Echo Fox, about a whole bunch of stuff. So I really highly encourage you guys, if you're into fighting games, or if you consider yourself part of the FGC, if you're into competitive gaming in general, you just love the esports and stuff like that, definitely check out the episode when it is live on Tuesday. We're going to be recording it towards the afternoon, like a little bit towards the mid-afternoon on Tuesday, and uh, it's going to go up later in the day. Uh, make sure that you guys subscribe to the Coalition's YouTube channel for when it goes live, the video version. It's going to be up on the website, and it's also going to be up on iTunes. If you haven't already checked out TK Spotlight on iTunes, you guys need to do so. You need to rate it, review it, and subscribe to the show so we can get more people checking out the episodes. That way, we could get even more cool guests uh, on the show for you guys. So definitely check that out. And then finally, just big shout out to everybody that's in the chat. Big shout out to everybody that's been checking out all the content, uh, the reviews, the unboxing videos, the TK Spotlight interviews, the Polyarch Games interview that I did about Moss. All you guys that have been checking that out, we're leaving comments, sharing it around. We really appreciate it. It's been a lot of love and a lot of uh, work that's been going into all this stuff. So here's hoping we could do even more throughout 2018. I can't wait. Absolutely. I agree with everything Mr. Lugo had to say. And definitely looking forward to the Justin Wong interview, uh, as well as if you haven't checked out any of the other stuff that has already been done, the other interviews, feel free to check them out when you get an opportunity. Um, Dana, do you have any final shout-outs that you would like to give? Uh, shout-outs to all of the listeners and everyone who supports the coalition. Thank you for listening to us and reading our stuff and you know, um, communicating with us through the chats and everything else. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Um, and I'd like to give a shout-out to everyone that was in the chat today. Uh, if you're listening later on download on iTunes, Thank you for your continued support, as well as the Patreon uh, subscribers. Uh, if you did get a chance to watch this video and you see that I'm actually wearing a Coalition hoodie, uh, we are definitely going to have a lot of these available. So if you are interested in a hoodie or a T-shirt, feel free to let us know. Leave a comment either on the website or on the YouTube video. I'll get in contact with you, and I'll let you know how you can get one of the shirts. But yeah, feel free to do so as soon as possible. And uh, Gary, the floor is yours now for shout-outs. All right. So, yeah, first things first, shout-outs to all of our Patreon supporters. That's M. Collins, Sean Gorty, Stephen Ferron, Mauricio Aguilar, Himdil, Fergus Mills, Lelowin Leslie, Nicholas Alvarez, and Miguel. We appreciate all of your support. Thank you very much. And, you know, shout-outs to everyone who joined us in the chat as well. You know, there's a few uh, new faces there as well. Uh, Farazade Ain, I believe the name is. Sorry if I butchered that, but thanks for taking part and interacting in the show today. 
and uh, shouts to J Dog also. And um, yeah, that's uh, pretty much it. Also, big shouts to the whole coalition team, of course. You know, everyone on the co-op team and all the throwdown guys as well. Big shouts to those guys. Um, and yeah, um, that's pretty much it. I do have an announcement, you know, kind of a notice as well regarding the show. Uh, there's going to be, you know, a few minor changes to how we, you know, deliver the show. Um, and, you know, we're still going to do the live shows. That's always going to be a thing because we love interacting with you guys, the audience and everything. But, you know, after the live show, uh, it's not going to be, you know, available on YouTube anymore. But, you know, don't, don't, don't freak out. It's still we're still going to be releasing, you know, the show uh, in some capacity. What we're going to do is we're going to drop the audio on Patreon. So all the Patreon supporters are going to get to hear it and on, you know, iTunes. So, you know, if you're subscribed to iTunes, you're still going to get the show. Don't worry. Um, and as for YouTube, you know, we're going to be releasing the show throughout the week in segments as well and on the website. So you're still going to get the content regardless, you know, like you're still going to get to hear it. And if you listen live, you're going to get to hear it as it's happening, you know. But after that, it's just going to be released in segments. That's all. That's that's the only difference. So, yeah, look out for that. And um, that's pretty much it from me. And so that, that concludes our uh, show for today. Thank you all for listening. And we will talk to you all next week. Peace. Mm-hmm.